Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. And if you're wondering what that was, that is Pink Floyd Money. Yes. And that was a great segue into the conversation we're going to have. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz and Alyssa Fuchs. And we're going to talk about money, corruption, and big banks. Chicken nuggets. I, I can't do it. I don't want to talk about this. No. You do. No, I don't. You have- are been dying to talk about this all week, Stanley, apparently. So let me just fill you guys in. And hold on. Let me give you the phone number because if you want to call in, you can call 212-650-6903. You can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. And you can leave a comment on Politically Preposterous on on Facebook. So, five of the world's largest banks, that includes Citigroup, JP Morgan Chase, Barclays, and the Royal Bank of Scotland, they were fined about $5.7 billion collectively for conspiring to manipulate the price of US dollars and euros exchanged in the foreign currency market. So, um, Citigroup has been charged the most, 900 $925 million. Um, Chase will have to cough up $550 million. And Barclays will have to pay $650 million. That's a lot of money. But for these big banks who make like um, billion-dollar profits, I don't know how, how big of a deal it is for them. But I digress. So the four banks that I just mentioned in the beginning, they have also pleaded guilty to federal charges over manipulation of foreign exchange rates. That means that they admitted like, okay, you got us. We did something wrong. We are guilty. Um, The fifth bank, which is Switzerland's UBS AG, they pleaded guilty to rigging benchmark interest rates. So how and why did they plead guilty? Because the Department of Justice cracked down on these banks and they released a statement uh, not too long ago saying uh, talking about this settlement and also the corrupt practices that the banks have been engaging in. So according to the DOJ, the banks describe themselves as members of the cartel, which is a really cool undercover name, by the way. So they were all going, they were like just calling themselves the cartel and they were using code words, not code words like thug, but different type of code words um, when they were in these like, Electronic snap. Remember, remember when you used to use like AOL chats. Yeah. So they were talking to each other via electronic chat, ta- um, electronic chat under the cartel, and they would use code words to manipulate the currency exchange market for over five years. Wait, so like they were manipulating like interest rates. So like so they instead of letting the market dictate that right now the economy is bad, so the interest rate needs to be two point seven percent. They would all say we're going to make our interest rate ten point ten percent, and no one can argue with it because we're the biggest bank, so we'll <laughs> set the market. Pretty much, but so, so they probably stole since like they were doing this for at least the last ten years, trillions of dollars, trillions thugs. of dollars. The thugs. <laughs> if you want to use the word thugs, maybe this is the appropriate time. So they did it from 2007 to 2013, according to the DOJ. So that's just like about nine years. Six. Then. Six. Pardon me, I was way off. I mean, it's so messed up because like our criminal justice system is so corrupt that when you commit large scale white collar crime, nobody goes to jail. But if you're black and you get caught on a 
126th Street with a single bag of marijuana, you could spend 24 <laughs> hours in jail. Or if you're homeless, you can maybe get sent to Rikers Island where you could die because you overheat. But Wait. big banks, no, nobody goes to jail. Wait, Selena, but like they, they had to pay billions each, but they probably made trillions of dollars off of this. Exactly. How? No, but to follow up on Alyssa, hey, if you happen to be black and you're selling Lucy's and the government is not collecting that tax, oh, you're going to jail, buddy. No, you're getting we're, choked to death. We're going to take you down if you don't if we don't kill you first. What? But if you're stealing billions of dollars from people and ripping people off and causing an economic downturn, oh, slap on the wrist. So let me continue. Um, so in a statement, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, she actually said that the currency manipulation, and I quote, inflated the bank's profits while harming countless consumers, investors, and institutions around the globe, from pension funds to major corporations, and including the bank's own customers. I mean, how many of you either bank with Citigroup or Chase, right? So that includes us. Um, although the parties involved in the criminal activity, um, she also said that some of them will be sent to, to prison. She asserted that these hefty fines and additional oversight will deter all these banks from ever corrupting uh, yeah, participating okay. in corruption what? again. Well, yeah, how okay. many times have we given hefty fines in the last 10 years and they still do new things? Oh, my God. It sounds like the first segment, Insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again and Bro. expecting different results. Dude, you can go to jail for, like, not paying your taxes for, like, a year. Right. So, before I introduce the guests, lastly, I want to say that the banks also agreed to what the DOJ called three years of corporate probation, which includes <laughs> federal court supervision. Alyssa's laughing. Is this just, like, not even real? It's like, a Alyssa, joke. Is it a joke, Alyssa? It's a joke. It, it, it's a joke. Okay, I'm going to introduce our guests now. I don't know. They're going like, to be under oversight. It's not funny, but it's funny, but it's really not funny. Dude, you have people right now doing 10 years for a gun yeah. that they never use or someone doing five years because they had some crack <laughs> or someone doing a year because they had a condom uh, and they're know, a woman. With very small exception, you know, obviously Bernie Madoff got 99 years or something. But with very small exception, when somebody actually does go to jail, it's usually not for very long. And it's usually at a nice, cozy, minimum security federal facility, also known as camp. I thought you were going to say, fed. I thought you were going to say, like, club fed, prison. like a country and he club. he committed a white-collar crime. He wrote me, he said, this is club fed. We have a baseball league. We have classes. We have Wi-Fi internet. He, ha- he said Well, they all ha- the federal prisons have internet, just yeah. to note. Yeah. Even the maximum security. We don't even but- he, said, he said that the prison had better resources than the college. Oh, my at. goodness. I believe that. Horrible. So without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Michael Mandel. He is the chief economic strategist at the Progressive Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. He also recently testified before Congress on the impact of regulation on innovation, and he received his Ph.D. in economics from Harvard University. Dr. Mandel, we are so upset, but welcome to the show. I can imagine why you're upset. (laughs) You're you're upset for a good reason. I think you pegged it right on the nose that, that these big fines, aren't going to do very much. They sound enormous to us, but to these banks, they're not. Right. It's, it's just basically a slap on the wit, a wrist. It's the cost, cost of doing business. Right. Uh, I, call, I, call, I call what these, you know, what the Department of Justice got them for is collusion, but what I call these is information crimes, that what these, that, that what these traders are basically doing is, is manipulating, manipulating information in the markets and making the markets behave differently than they should, 
and uh, and we all depend on you know we all depend on honest information and 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 committing an information crime is is a, is a crime against all of us. Dr. Mandel, can you explain further what exactly does it mean to engage in market manipulation? Well, what's happening is that uh, that, that these traders, these these banks, these big banks, control a lot of funds that they're investing in, say, dollars, or they're investing in euros. And they can make an agreement, the cartel apparently would make an agreement that they would all, maybe all jump into the market and buy at the same time, and that would, say, drive up the value of the dollar. It doesn't have to be very much. I mean, these guys deal in sort of microscopic amounts. But if they know that the value is going to jump at a particular time, they can all make bets in that way and kind of collect, collect a lot um, on what is really sort of very small movements that nobody can see. So imagine that, uh, that you were going out and that you're going to go uh, to your, to your uh, nearest store and that you're going to all sort of decide to sort of buy out all the, the, the bottled water at the same time when you knew that people needed bottled water. And at that point, you could corner the market on it instead of sell it for a higher price. And that's what these guys were doing. They would know what the other traders in the market were going to do. They could prepare for it, and therefore they could make money off of the market movements. Right. Um, so can you ex- explain exactly what is, for, for those who don't know, what is the foreign exchange market You're itself? giving me a hard task here on a Sunday of Memorial Am Day. I? So, so <laughs> what, you know, we, the, 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 the uh, dollars exchange against euros at a particular rate, I can't remember what it is right now, um, and so you could go into, if you were going to go travel in Europe, you could go, go over to Europe and say, I'm going to want this number of dollars and I'm going to want this number of euros for it. Now, how do anybody know what the exchange rate is? Well, what happens is a market that tells you what the exchange rate is. And that market, everybody assumes, kind of moves by itself. But if people are controlling it, then they can uh, uh, make bets uh, against what's going, what's going to happen in the future, and kind of collect on the, sort of basically sort of rig the bets. Um, and we're talking about a market that is difficult to explain to sort of the ordinary person, and it's even difficult for regulators to explain. So at the time when this is happening, the regulators didn't know that there was a problem. And it's tough for anybody to see. And the only way you get them is if what happens is if there's tape recordings or online records that these people actually colluded. So they could, without meaning to feed anybody's paranoia, but there could be a lot more of this going on that hasn't that hasn't come out yet. Oh wow! Oh, for Look, sure. I believe it definitely. Okay. So they they can still be doing these undercover they, practices. They could be still be doing it, and they could be smarter. The the feeling that you get is. You know, you go around and you call yourself the cardinal. It's like, you know, you're pointing a big arrow at yourself. You know, come, come get me, right? The smart, the, the, the smart corrupt people don't go around calling themselves the cardinal. Right. Okay? <laughs> you know, maybe they're meeting for lunch or something, or they're doing something that doesn't involve, that doesn't involve so, much, uh, so much blatancy. But the real problem is, is that the large banks even came out of the financial crisis with more power and concentration than they went into it with. And it's frustrating even for those of us who are basic. I mean, I'm going to put myself in this camp, who basically think 
that 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 this economy runs reasonably well. Um, but it's frustrating to sort of look at what's happened in the banking industry and say, you know, these banks were the cause of the financial crisis and the recession, and they've come out, the big banks have come out of it stronger than they were going in. So it isn't even that they weren't punished, but in fact, the ones that survived ended up being rewarded. And it, and this sort of fine is, as you say, a slap on the wrist to, um, to, these, to these large institutions. Right. And, the pro- and the problem is, is that, you know, the government tried to pass a set of regulations called Dodd-Frank to get it under control, and it really doesn't look like it, you know, really accomplished what it should have. Right, guys, if you're just tuning in, we have on the line with us Dr. Michael Mandel. He is the chief um, econ- um, economic strategist at the Progressive Policy Institute. Um, you know, we, we talked about a little bit the, the market, manipula- uh, market manipulation. manipulation and how it affects the bank's customers. But does that have like a effect on us and like average everyday people, um, doctor? <laughs> that's such a good. That's such a good question, right? So, you know, you, you know, your listeners might be saying, "Well, you know, I never have anything to do do with euros anyhow. So why should I care, right?" But if you're buying something that maybe was imported from Europe, you know, whether it's a car or some coffee or almost anything, then if the company that made it originally was affected by this then you're affected uh, indirectly because the price has gone up. So it's almost like stealing, you know, a penny or two from everybody. So if we stole a penny, so let's suppose that we stole 10 cents from all 300 million people in the country. And so you stole 10 cents, and then you've got $30 million. And, you know, nobody's going to sort of feel a loss of that 10 cents in their pocket but altogether, it amounts to a lot of money, and it's the same thing here. This sort of this sort of corruption is about taking dimes and nickels and dollars and ten dollars from a lot of different places and adding it all up, so that no one person sort of knows um, uh, how badly they've been hurt. You know, for example, on the interest rates, right? So part of one of the uh, banks that were fined was also fined for doing interest rate manipulation. And interest rate manipulation, you can understand. You've got a credit card, and the rate on that credit card is partly set in the market. And so even if it's a little adjustment that makes it a little bit higher than it should be, you end up paying a bit more, the person next to you ends up paying a bit more, and so forth. But even worse than the money, what's really lost here is trust. Mm. Because, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was listening to what you were saying at the beginning. What's lost here is absolutely trust. The only thing that makes, you know, the world run right is you have to sort of trust the people that you're dealing with. You have to trust the companies and so forth. If you don't trust them, if you don't trust the banks, then what happens? It just it just erodes everything. And the problem is, is that, you know, the people running the banks can say and be quite honest and sort of say, well, we don't like this and so forth. But all the incentives for the employees at the bank, the traders especially, is to find corners to cut, is to find, is to try to find a way of beating the system. And these guys went over the edge so much that nobody could ignore them. I mean, I'll go back to the end. You know, calling yourself the cardinal, okay? It's like, 
Who would do that? <laughs> no, that's, that's ridiculous. Think, think well, about that. Think about that. If you were really trying to conceal yourself, why would you call yourself the Cardinal? But, Mike, I think you and I should join, make a band and call it the Cardinal, and we'll play music in the front side, but in the back we'll go and we'll take pennies from every person's purchase of our tickets. So in in the be- audience, that's right. I mean, yes. That would be, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sort of sitting here thinking about what what goes through your what you know what goes through your mind that you're going to call yourself that you're going to engage in collusion and antitrust and and corruption and call yourself and call yourself the cardinal you know you're not <laughs> going to get in trouble so we, we might just hold on for one second we're going to start that band but we do have to go on a quick break i'm playing this next song for selena because she wants to talk about the commas commas bringing drama for your mama right now this is let your voice be heard on 8.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem Thanks to doing more than just messing up some commas. They're messing up. <laughs> was that the, <laughs> the best whole, you could do, Selena? I'm sorry. I, I was trying to correlate between that last song I mean, it's and, just and, and, <laughs> and the banking um, crisis and what they've been doing with market manipulation. With the commas for your mama. Right? I, and it's I just like so blatant that they really don't care, as yeah. guest points out. The like they name themselves after a criminal enterprise. So they obviously have some hubris to think that like not only do we not care if we get caught, we know if we get caught, nobody's going to get in trouble. They're the Bobby Schmurter like of the banking the, system like. You I know, just, we call that chutzpah. Yes, chutzpah. Um, I just, I just inflated the interest rate like a week ago. Um, so we're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I'm Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz, Alyssa Fuchs. On the line with us is Dr. Michael Mandel. He's the chief economic strategist at the um, Progressive Policy Institute. And I know Stanley had a question. Yes, I do have a question, but before I ask the question, I want you to know that we are starting this band. It will be called the cartel. We will make trillions of dollars, and when the government comes for us, we're just going to just say that they're profiling rich people and that we are <laughs> victims, and they will only fine us $100. Do you know why? Because America, Michael. America. America. Yes. America. But no, my, we will start that band for sure. Yes, and the, my question for you also, and in that band, we will be drinking beer and whiskey, but the, the question that I have is about the Dodd-Frank Act. So now, as we all know, the Socialist Barack Obama made made this bill with his bare hands called the Dodd Frank Act, which was supposed to make the banks not make money anymore because obviously Obama hates America. Why is it not working? Because what the because what the Dodd Frank bill ended up doing was it ended up putting on a lot of extra regulations, but without changing anything structural. And the problem is is that when you put on more regulations, the banks that can deal with the regulations best are the big banks because they can hire lots of people to sort of deal with them. Whereas the smaller banks have a lot more trouble dealing with the layers of regulation. So this ended, you know, it's this this has ended up not I mean in my view the the Dodd-Frank has ended up not fixing the structural problems um while still kind of making things more gluey than they were before and perhaps harder for uh ordinary people to get loans. It's hard to say at this point, but that might be one of the one of the consequences. And, you know, you can sort of look at this, you can look at this and say, we one of our big needs is to sort of extend banking services to the people that are unbanked right now, uh, who can't get who can't get bank accounts, who have to sort of go through expensive payday loan services and so forth. And it's possible that Dodd Frank actually makes that more difficult by putting on more regulations at the same time that 
it doesn't actually fix the big bank problem. So I think one of the biggest disappointments at this point is that for me, for the Obama administration, is that they did not that they did not fix the they did not fix the big bank problems. There there were proposals out there for how you sort of separate out, you know, make the banks more manageable. But the place where we seem to have ended up is is um, uh, uh, that the big banks got bigger. Right. I mean, to me, that's actually a direct result of the Clinton repeal of Glass-Steagall, which allowed the regular banks and investment banks to merge together to become huge banks. And uh, after the 2008 financial crisis, Dodd-Frank, as our guest pointed out, like it's not Glass-Steagall. And I don't know if they had the political support to pass a Glass-Steagall bill, but that's really what I think probably was needed. Uh, if you're listening to this conversation, you want to join in. Our number is 212-650-6903. Um, our guest also mentioned something about payday loans and people who are underserved within banking. We actually did an entire show or segment. A few, we did an entire segment on that a few weeks ago. So if you're interested, you should definitely head over to LYVBH.com, check out our archive shows, and listen to the show on payday lending. Um, with that being said, Dr. Mandel, hi, my name is Alyssa. I'm the resident lawyer here. And um, I, deal with all, thanks. I deal with a lot of stuff about the criminal justice system, as I, you might have heard or you know assumed after listening to my rant at the beginning um but to me there's no accountability like if you commit a grand larceny if you work at a a bodega right and you skim a few few cents out of the cash register every time you go into work eventually your boss gets your boss catches you and he you know presumably calls the police and then you get arrested for grand larceny and they add up all the pennies that you have been stealing over this amount of time and if the amount in new york is over a certain threshold. That's a grand larceny. It's a felony. And you get charged, you go to court, and you potentially go to jail. Um, Where these big banks, they pay the fines. And I know we've mentioned their slaps on the wrist, but um, I was hoping that you could give us some perspective, because I've heard when HSBC pled guilty to the money laundering thing, I think that was a few years back, people said that the fine they paid was like the amount of money that they made in a week. Um, So when you put it into perspective, the fine was actually quite small. So could you answer for us or give us some perspective about the fines and the slap on the wrist aspect, but also answer the question, why does nobody go to jail? Right. So let's actually go for the first question, for uh, for the, 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 the second question first. Okay. Look, it is possible, you know, these banks could be prosecuted in a way that would actually put them out of business. Right. So that if the if you uh, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure of this I'm going to be honest but I but, but you know a lot of the if you sort of actually sort of accuse the bank of a felony okay you know you can make it possible for them to not do business and so it's you know the the prosecutors are stuck in a place where they, if they actually went after sort of the core of these banks okay that that they could sort of cause massive Sort of business destruction, and so in some sense they're constrained. Um, the other, th- so because they're sort of facing this this problem. So you know, the real question here is is how do you stop it from happening again? Because it's a different set of people, it's a different set of issues, and but it's the same bank. And how do you make sure that the next generation doesn't do it? And the only way you can do that is by changing the incentives of the workers, because in some sense for them, it's, they, they make a lot of money, and the chances of being caught are really kind of low. 
Um, and, and people have wrestled with this question, how you change the incentives. Uh, and nobody's got a really good, nobody's got a really good answer at this point. And, um, right. it may very well be that somebody's going to go to jail, but, you know, even if somebody went to jail at this point, it isn't going to be the, um, uh, it isn't going to be the people at the top. Like yeah. Jamie Dimon's not going to jail. Definitely not. But, um, Right. So, so, so speaking of that, Dr. Mantel, uh, from my understanding, and you touched upon it, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission actually issued waivers so that the criminal banks would not be barred from managing mutual funds, um, corporate pension plans, or even other regulated financial entities. So basically, that means that there are no practical consequences besides the fines whatsoever. Um, if you have the Securities and Exchange Commission stepping in to this level and degree to basically protect the banks. Mind you, the DOJ did not um, release this settlement and actually close the deal until the Securities and Exchange Commissions issued that waiver so that no one would really feel any particular consequence. So it's like, do you think that with these hefty fines and the negative publicity, is that enough to deter them? Because it's like no one, it, there's, not, unless, there's no real accountability from so, my understanding. So let's actually back up one second. So let's suppose, this is why this is a problem. Okay, let's suppose that, let's suppose we put one of the banks out of business, all right? And let's just, you know, that let's suppose that the, the, the DRJ said, okay, you, and I'm not going to name a particular bank, you particular bank, we're sufficiently egregious. We're going to put you out of business. Well, what that means now is that you have that you have fewer big banks <laughs> competing than you did before. You see what the problem is? is that, Great point. Is that is that the the cure at that point is actually worse than mm. so the right. criminal justice system is actually not well set up to dealing with this problem, and in some sense. Um, there were decisions that were made at the time of the financial crisis that it was more important to support, to support the financial system so that the recession wouldn't get worse than to actually make changes that could have extended the, the length of the crisis while actually fixing some of the underlying problems. And who is to say that that wasn't the right decision at the time? The problem is we have to sort of deal with the consequences now which is these large banks making a lot of money. So maybe nationalizing banks wasn't such a bad idea after all? Is that is that what we can kind of like take from this? I'm not sure. I would not have wanted the government to be running the, the, the banking system either. Um, what would be more, you know, the, the real question from my point of view, and it may not work for you guys, like a real question from my point of view, how did we get in a situation where the financial system is so important to begin with? Because in some sense... The financial system should just be like plumbing, all right? And, yeah, you want your plumbing not to drip. You want to be able to turn off and on the water. But it's not like the financial system makes anything, okay? Now, for the parts of the financial system where you and I are sort of saving, you know, maybe the mutual funds, some parts of the mutual fund industry work really well. Um, some parts of, you know, some parts of the financial system kind of do what they're supposed to. There appear to be, you know, quite a bit of competition. Um, there's a lot of different mutual funds, small and large, that you can go to. On the other hand, some parts of the financial system appear to, 
it's a little bit hard to understand exactly what they're doing, but they just seem to be out of proportion with the rest of the with the rest of the economy. Um, and that's an issue that we're all sort of wrestling with. I mean, I should be, you know, be completely honest. There's been part times that you know that I've sort of looked and said, "Oh yeah, the 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 all the financial innovations are really seem to be helping." Um, but right now, I kind of lean a little bit more. What I'd like to see is financial innovations that actually help the real economy rather than helping the financial sector. Mm. And you know, if you think about that, one of the places I look is I sort of say, well, how can you provide better banking services for the people who are unbanked at a reasonable cost? And you should be able to do that. And you should be able to do that without having it be extractive, without having it, you know, without having people make a lot of profit. That really benefits individuals. Right. And why aren't we working on stuff like that? And why aren't we, you know, better funding for new businesses? Right. And better funding for expansion. And so you have this feeling that something is out of skew, of which this corruption is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And asking ourselves, are we, is it, is the, we, 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 you know, I'm going to be kind of blunt about it. You know, if we thought the financial system was doing the other things that we needed it to do, a little bit of corruption is kind of an acceptable price. There's kind of corruption in every part of the economy. And we want but so, 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 Dr. Mantel, um, we actually have to wrap this conversation up, but you touched upon some key things, and I wanted you to, if you could just give us, um, this is one last question, brief synopsis on what we can do moving forward, what we can all be investing in uh, or pushing um, if it comes to legislation. Um, I mean, I'm just hoping that there's some type of solution here, especially on and how we how the foreign exchange market can be regulated. What, what I, I wouldn't worry so much about the foreign okay. exchange market. What I said to ask is, how can we have the financial system provide the services to individuals and small companies that the individuals and small companies really need? and focus on the positive aspects of this. Because you could drive yourself crazy thinking about the finance, the foreign exchange market and you wouldn't get anywhere. But you really have to ask yourself, you know, how to get individuals the banking services they need, how to get students the services they need, how to get people that are moving into the, into, into the, into the world, starting businesses, how to get them the financial services they need in a reasonable and cheap fashion that doesn't seem extractive, the same thing. The same thing true for sort of localities, of the public sector. How can they get you know little cities and towns and so forth get the financial services they need, and that's really and that's really where we need to sort of be heading at this point is thinking about the future and how to make things better, um, because um, you could just drive yourself crazy thinking about some of these other things. Dr. Mandel, um, tell our listeners how they can find you, reach you, or and get in contact with the Progressive Policy Institute. Well, the Progressive Policy Institute is progressivepolicy.org uh, on the web. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Michael Mandel. Thank you so much for being a guest. We definitely enjoyed this conversation and you sharing our, your expertise with us and our listeners. Um, I just want to wrap things up really quickly to the Truffle Bottle song in the background. It's okay, Stanley. Um, so the economic downturn of 2008, um, there's some correlation, but it had nothing in particular to do with the crisis at hand that we discussed today. It just so happens that some of the same
same institutions that contributed to the financial crisis have also engaged in these corrupt practices um, of market manipulation, and they got caught. So what happened? Eric Holder wants to complete his legacy, and he wants to say that, look, I'm cracking down on the banks, and you know what? I got them to plead guilty. So you know what, what's going to happen? They're not going to go to jail. We're not going to keep them from um, engaging in uh, or, or managing mutual funds, even though they've proven themselves to, to be untrustworthy. We're just going to slap them with a fine. And even and we're going to put the word million and billion behind it. Hopefully that is sounds appealing and it sounds like that's a just punishment. But when we look at things from a larger scale, we realize that these fines are just a slap on the wrist. However, so just want to add this last thing that it can be argued that the lack of significant regulation and impunity on the part of the bankers was also a major contributing factor to the the current crisis at hand which is why we need more regulation and also i do want to just echo what dr mandel said when he said that we can also focus on some of the positive aspects of it Uh, we can also engage in um, smaller banking Um, there are different options i know in harlem we have a number of black owned banks here Carver yes yes and a, a lot of people have opted to at least you know if, if they're not transferring all of their money in there they do help fund these these smaller options so on that note there is stuff that we can do but I do we, we do have to take a break when we come back Alyssa will be breaking it down on the fear bear act right fair, here fair fair bear not fear. act <laughs> right here fair, fair. I, I'm not saying it again this is let your voice be heard I want one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, 